seated. As we often say around here, God is good all the time and then some, right? Amen. All right, kids, if you're ready, I think they're ready in the back for you to go to uh, Children's Church. And Rusty, you're going to be up in the youth room again, right? Gotcha. Okay, so parents, keep that in mind. They'll be right up there after the service instead of all the way on the other side of campus. So I uh, just want to remind you of that. And uh, also to make sure, just to encourage you at some other time to uh, look at the bulletin, a lot of important information that is there. Uh, cookbooks are in, you know about that. They've got those out in the vestibule, so you can uh, grab one of those. And then uh, we have different ministries. We have baby shower coming up, Aniston, so you want to look at that. And I hope sometime, if you've got a bulletin, if you, did, if you did pick one up, get one before you leave, because in there is a blue sheet. And on this blue sheet is a poem uh, that a very special lady in our fellowship wrote, Catherine Brandon. She comes to our morning Bible studies on Wednesday, and of course she comes to our early service as well. And uh, from time to time, she just writes a beautiful poem. This one is called My Friend. I'm not going to read it to you here. I want you to take time uh, sometime today and just read that and just cherish the truth that she is sharing uh, from her heart. Also, I just want to mention this, uh, and of course, it's kind of fresh on my mind. We've, over the last 10 days, we've gone through four uh, different uh, funeral services. God has called uh, four brothers and sisters home to be with him. And so uh, it's kind of been a hard 10 days for our church family. Uh, and, but part of that when that happens is we minister to the family by uh, preparing a meal on the day of the service for the family just to love on them and let them know how important they are. And so um, what we need is some help in that. It's a tremendous ministry. We have five different groups, so it's on rotation. So if you just feel like the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you, we could use more help in that. And uh, so you can see Sandra Averson, see me if you want to after the service or at some time. And you want to be part of just sharing the love of God in that way. We would appreciate it. We need more to help in that ministry. Uh, and then lastly, just remind you that tonight, um, you know, as we finish up the summer, it's almost gone. Uh, on Sunday night, I've just been doing some Bible studies on uh, just the events, the main events taking place at the end time. And we talked about uh, the return of the Lord. We talked about the reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ. And tonight, our focus is on the great white throne judgment. So if you're interested in that, we'd love to have you. It's at 6 o'clock in the sanctuary uh, up uh, in the upper uh, area that we have. So i uh, love to have you there and be a part of that. We'll have some prayer time. Then we just get right into uh, God's Word. Well, I want you to just take a moment to listen uh, to this beautiful song uh, about the will of God and let it prepare you for the Word that God has for us today. So, um, this song is, the reason I love it is because it's so relatable. Um, it's just about pain and it's about going through a really rough time in your life. And um, I think that one of our reactions to that is to ask God, why? Like, why would you allow me to feel this pain? Why would you allow me to go through this? But, you know, what we have to remember is that 
we have this tiny picture of what's going on, but God, he sees the full picture. And so while we may think that we're just suffering, God is, is he's got a bigger plan in place. And I think that this song reminds us just to number one, trust him because he said he'll never leave us. So even as we're going through that really rough time, he's there. And also just to trust that he has our best interests at heart. So this is Thy Will by Hilary Scott. I'm so confused I know I heard you loud and clear So I followed through And somehow I ended up here I don't want to think I may never understand That my broken heart is a part of your when I try to pray, all I got is hurt and these four words. Thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be you're good but this don't feel good right now and I know you think of things I could never think about it's hard to count it all joy distracted by the noise just trying to make sense of all your promises Sometimes I gotta stop, remember that you're God and I am not so. Thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done like a child on my knees all the
as the disciples were uh, asking Jesus how uh, for him to teach them to pray, he began to lay out for them not only how to pray, but some of the things that we need to be requesting of the Father in heaven. And one of those things that he mentions is found in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. So if you want to open your Bibles there, and, and he's just laying out a series of things that obviously should be very, very important to all of us. But here in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 10, he simply said, ask the Father this, for this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, ultimately, that request will be answered prophetically. There is a time coming where the kingdom of God and all of his fullness will come and Christ will reign for a thousand years as king of kings and lord of lords. But right now in the here and now, we, we need a, a personal application of this request in our lives. We need to know the will of God and we need to do the will of God and we need to be able to discern the will of God. Someone wrote on one occasion that um, God's will is exactly, totally what we would want if we had the perfect knowledge of all things at all times that God has. Well, I get that. But here's the truth that we all know. We don't have that perfect knowledge of all things at all times as God. And so when we come down to dealing with this reality of the will of God in our life, it comes down to this main point. I want to make sure you get this, and that is simply this, that we need to learn to trust in the love of God. Trust in the love of God. Yes, he has perfect knowledge of all things at all times, but what we need to believe with all of our heart and live our lives accordingly is that the motivation behind everything that he is doing, his will for our lives comes from his unconditional, incredible love that he has for us. Now, let me just give you these three things to think about as we find, do our study through this this morning. And, and that is simply this. The greatest desire, the greatest desire for us is to know the will of God. Our great desire should be to know the will of God. Our great delight should be to do the will of God. Our greatest danger, though, is to reject the will of God. And you know, uh, we struggle with this because let's be honest, there are many times that our will is not in harmony with God's will. And when that happens, we begin to struggle. What are we going to do? Because God has given man what, what I call his permissive will. I mean, we have a choice to make. I mean, God can make his will known to us. And when it's not in harmony with our will, we have a decision to make. We have a choice to make. Are we going to embrace God's will, or are we rather going to try to entrust our will into that situation or that circumstance or that decision that needs to be made? Now, many times we're very successful 
in terms of interjecting our will into the situation or circumstance instead of the, the Lord's will. The only problem with that is, is the reality that somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of embracing our will over the will of God. And so we've got to remember what Paul has told us in his letter to the Christians in Corinth and, and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says two things about us. Listen very carefully to this. He says, first of all, we see uh, in the mirror dimly. We see in the mirror dimly. So when we're looking at that situation or we're looking at that circumstance or that decision that needs to be made, here's what you should never forget. You're not seeing clearly and completely and concisely the picture as it really is. It's kind of fuzzy. It's not clear at all. And that's the best we can do. He goes on to say this. Not only do we see in the mirror dimly, but he also says that we only know in part. And when we look back in life, follow me on this, when we look back in life at other situations and circumstances where we decided to interject our will against the will of God, we discover that that part that we did know was just a smidget of all that needed to be known to be able to make that decision. That's why we need God, of course. We need the Lord who has perfect knowledge of all things at all times. And that includes, of course, what's coming down in our future that we have absolutely no clue of. And so what I want to do as we look at this this morning, we look at what he says in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 10, and here's my challenge to you. If you do desire to know the will of God, and if it is in your heart to have the delight to do his will, then we need to place ourselves in position to be able to discern God's will. And I think Jesus helps us with this in this one verse out of the Lord's Prayer. You know the passage it comes out of. And the first thing I want to draw your attention to is the prerequisite. The prerequisite. He gives that to us in the first part of verse 10 where he says, all right, you want to know how to pray. You want to know what to pray for. Ask the Father for this. Thy kingdom come. What does that mean? Thy kingdom come. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is that realm in which the Lord is sovereignly reigning over everything. Over everything. It's where the Lord himself is preeminent. He is supreme. And so this is not a democracy. This is not an open discussion. This is simply a theocracy, thus saith the Lord. And so the Lord is reigning sovereignly where the kingdom of God truly is. And so as we look at that, I, think, I begin to think about Christ and what the scripture says about Christ. And this is so important to us, God's son. And what does it say about him and his preeminence, the need of his preeminence in our lives? So uh, I want you to look with me for a moment, just for a moment moment here in Paul's letter uh, to the Christians and Colossia, the church in Colossia, Colossians chapter 1, 
And I want you to listen carefully to what he's, he is describing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's what he says beginning in verse 17. He says, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself, listen to this carefully, he himself would come to have first place in everything. Now that phrase, first place, means preeminent. He is to have preeminence in every facet in every part of our lives. So let me give you two things about the Lord you should never, ever forget. As you're living out your life every day, do not forget these two things. It should be up on the screen. I hope you'll write them down. The first one is this. The Lord will not accept second place to anyone or anything. Now, don't just send that on through. Think about it carefully. The Lord will not accept second place to anyone or anything else in our lives. Second thing you need to know about the Lord. That is that the Lord is not a part-time God and his throne is not a duplex. The Lord is not a part-time God and his throne is not a duplex. Now, here's the way God put it in a very simple way through Moses in the Ten Commandments. What's the first commandment of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, there should not be any other thrones in, in your life. It should be one throne. It's my throne, and I have preeminence in your life. But the tendency is that we begin to kind of have, well, there's God's throne, and then we want to say, well, well, this is important too, and it may be to a certain level, but not anywhere close, not anywhere close to the one throne, the only true throne that should be in our life, and that's the throne of God, him having preeminence. Pray thy kingdom come now. What does that look like in a practical way? And as I sought to, to figure out a way to articulate that to you, I thought I'd just lay out for you a basic foundation for how to build your life. Don't you listen carefully, how to build your life where Christ is preeminent. Because listen, listen, it's only when he is preeminent, all right? It's only when he's preeminent that, that the will of God that you desire to know and the will of God you delight to do can be discerned in your life. So let's look. I'm going to give you five things. Let's touch on each one briefly. And I hope you'll write these down. All right. So first of all, uh, the first thing is give God the first thoughts of your day. Now we're talking about him having preeminence. First place. Preeminence. Give him the first thoughts of your day. Here in Psalms chapter 5, this is Psalm of David. 
And David wrote this psalm as best we can discern at a time when, you know, when God was saying, hey, here's a man after my own heart. Wouldn't that be great to have that testimony that, that God would say of you or that God would say, hey, here's a man, here's a woman after my own heart. It's during this time that he wrote this particular psalm as best we can determine. And here's what he wrote in verse 3. Listen to it carefully. Simple, but so significant. David wrote this, in the morning, Lord you will hear my voice. In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will present my prayer to you and be on the alert. Give the Lord the first thoughts of the day. Would you agree with me that every day is a gift from the Lord? Amen? I mean, when you wake up, your eyes open up, you're breathing in the breath of life. That's a gift. We're not promised tomorrow, you know that. So every day that we wake up, when you woke up this morning, this was a gift from the Lord. And so what, what David is talking about here, I think you can kind of wrap your minds around that. What he's really trying to say is one of the first things you want to do of course, is to give him your undivided attention, have that, that uh, unwavering time of communion with him, however that's going to be uh, played out in your life, but it's just you and the Lord, and you're going to lift your voice up to him. You're going to pray. You're going to entrust your life to him. But can I just suggest something else that maybe can be helpful to you? One of the first things you need to do when you open up your eyes for your feet, just hit the floor, why don't you just lift up that offering of thanksgiving? Thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you, Lord, for another day. And then whatever your routine is, all right, after that, before you maybe even get to your time of communion with the Lord and, and everybody has their own different routine. I have a different routine. Kathy has a different routine. Mine is, is, is that Jethro has trained me. My dog has trained me what my routine is going to be in the morning. So I'm going to, after I get up and I've given the Lord thanks for a gift of a new day. Now, in my mind, let me tell you what one of the things I like to do just so that I want to get started right because this is what? The control tower of our life, right? We studied this so many times. I've tried to bring it up so many times to remind us all. Let's not forget, this is the control tower. What comes in here gets to our heart. What gets to our heart tells us how we're going to live our lives. So I like to just take some of the verses that are so important to me. My, my life verses like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Or Galatians 2.20, which is my New Testament verse that I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but the, the life that I live now in the flesh. This day, Lord God, that you've given to me, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All this does is remind me of his word, but it's, it's, giving my thought, it's getting my mind focused on him. And, and I'm going through this when I get my coffee and I go to the place that Jethro has told me that I'm supposed to sit down so I can sip on my coffee and he put his paw on my shoulder like this, made you bud another day. Whatever your routine is, give the first thoughts 
of your mind to the Lord that day. Give him the first thoughts of the day. Now, follow me. Secondly, these are foundational things. Not only give God the first thoughts of each day, but give the Lord the first day of the week. Not only the first thoughts of the day, but the first day of the week. As you know, as the scripture teaches us in Acts chapter 20, and of course there's other passages as well, but in Acts chapter 20 and in verse 7, scripture says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, and that was that's a key phrase. It's talking about when, when the early church would come together, they would have fellowship, uh, they would have communion, they would get into the word of God. And it says on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave them the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Now, some of you think I preached too long. What if I kept you here to midnight, all right? But here's the point. Sunday is not a weekend day. You know that, don't you? Oh, no, I, I know the world says the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, but it's not. Saturday is when the week ends. That's a weekend day. Sunday is the first day of the week. And it's called the Lord's Day. And the reason it's called the Lord's Day is that's the day that he rose again. And that's the day, <coughs> excuse me, that the body of Christ embraced. And when they would come together, yeah, uh, Sunday's the Lord's Day. Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday is not the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, which is on Saturday, is under the law. But we're no longer under the law. We're under the covenant of grace. And so, we're talking about laying a foundation in our lives that allows us to build a life where Christ has preeminence so that we can know the will of God, we can discern the will of God, and then do the will of God. So, it starts off with giving him the first thoughts of the day, giving him the first day of the week, and then giving him the first fruits, number three, the first fruits of your blessings. Let, listen to what the scripture says here in Proverbs chapter three and, and in verse nine. And, and once you turn there, just kind of hold your finger there in that particular part of God's word because we're coming back and forth into that as well. But listen to what it says in verse uh, nine of Proverbs chapter three. Solomon, David's son, wrote, honor the Lord from your wealth. Now, it doesn't define wealth here as having a lot. It's just simply the blessings that you have in your life, wherever you are, whatever you have. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Every time I read this verse, and my brother Steve would agree with me on this. I have an image of my mom. And it's just as clear today as it was when I was a child. She'd be sitting at the kitchen table. She did this every month. And she would lay out on that table all of our bills, their bills, really. 
And she wouldn't open up one of them. They'd all be unopened until she had written a check and given the Lord the first fruits of the blessings God had given to them. She wouldn't even consider it. No, not a single bill would she look at, much less write a check towards it and seek to pay until she wrote out and honored the Lord with the first fruits of her blessings. Never have lost that truth that God ingrained into my heart and life just by her example that was before us. And how incredibly wise is it anyhow? Look at it. Look what it says in verse 10. If we do that, if we honor him, if we give him the first fruits of our blessings, he says in verse 10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Why does he say the same thing Paul said in his letter to the Christians in Philippi? He said, look, God is going to meet every need you have according to his riches in glory. Honor him. Give him the first fruits of your blessings. I'm going to word it this way just to drive this point home. Don't eat the cake and offer God the crumbs that are left over. Give him the first thoughts of the day. Give him the first day of the week. Give him the first fruits of your blessings. And then give him the first consideration for your decisions. And I could say the only consideration in one way, but I think you get the point. Proverbs chapter three, I've already quoted it for you, but I want to add verse seven to that and then just talk about this for a moment. In Proverbs chapter three, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Why? Because I see it in the mirror dimly. I mean, it's not clear. It's not complete. It's not concise. I just have kind of an idea of what it's really like. And because I only have a smidgen of the knowledge that I really need to be able to make this decision. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Not some, not most, not the big things, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let me just comment on that for a second. It does not say in all your ways acknowledge him and you will be able to make your path straight. That is not what it says. It says he will make your path straight. And then in verse seven, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, that is reverence the Lord and turn away from evil. So here's, here's the situation. Here's, here's where we struggle. Our will is not in harmony with God's will. So what are we gonna do? Are we going to use our wisdom? Are we going to use our understanding? 
which is just nothing what we really need because nothing's cl really that clear, that complete, and that concise. And, and we only have a smidgen of the knowledge of, of all things at all times. And so if we make that choice, then we really just take God out of the equation. He can't make our path straight because we have rejected his will. And so for me to desire to know the will of God and be delighted in doing the will of God, I've got to be able to discern the will of God, which means I need, listen, I need to make sure Christ is preeminent in my life by giving him the first thoughts of each day, by giving him the first day of every week, by giving him the first fruits of the blessings that he has already lavished upon us, and by uh, also giving him first consideration. And by the way, to acknowledge him means to start with him and stay with him. And then lastly, these are the five things to be able to build a life where Christ is preeminent. You need to give God the first devotion of your heart. The first devotion. These words have always convicted me in Revelation chapter 2 and in verse 4. I gave my heart to Christ and received him as my Lord and Savior when I was seven. And so through these 60 years now, like many, you know, it's been kind of a roller coaster, if you know what I'm talking about. And sometimes what he speaks of here I know is true of my life. Jesus sending this letter to the church in Ephesus, commending them for the wonderful things they were doing. And isn't it it's so easy? Let's just be honest. Say, well, Lord, I, I've done this and I've done that for you and I'm doing this. And, you know, I, I, I would love to be able to, and we just, we, it's very easy to lay out things to say, you know, I love you. But like the church in Ephesus, I think sometimes the Lord has this same word for us. I have this against you. You have left your first love. Now, he's not saying here that they didn't love him anymore. It's not what he's saying. He said, you don't love me the way you were loving me. In other words, I was the preeminent devotion of your heart but something has happened. And now there are other devotions in your heart, some that are very, very close to the, the level in which you, the things you're loving that very close to the level that you're loving me. There's some things you love, you love just as much as you love me. And be honest with you, there are things by the actions of your life that are testifying that you love them more than you love me. And I've had that happen in my life. And I know where those areas are. Which is why I'm very careful. And let me just challenge you that even right now, if the Holy Spirit's pointing out anything, 
that I want to encourage you to, and I don't know how many in this particular service would understand this statement, but you need, you need to Barney Fife it. How many of you knows what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay, good. All you singers out there, except for you, Jason. <laughs> Barney Fife, nip it in the bud. <laughs> in other words, address it. Address it. Because your life is going to be out of whack when he does not have the first devotion in your heart. You want to know the will of God. You want to do the will of God. Then you need to discern the will of God. And the prerequisite is thy kingdom come. Making Christ preeminent so he can speak to you. Because here's what we want to do. We want God to harmonize, listen to it, we want God to harmonize his will with our will. That's what we want. But as you know, God doesn't work that way. He wants us to harmonize our will with his will in our lives. So we have the prerequisite. And then we have this pursuit. I want you to turn with me to um, Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Jesus said, here's what you pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In a personal application, thy will be done in my life. And the Lord, by the way, I, I want to make this clear. The Lord does not play hide and seek with his will. Our, our problem is we're just not in position to hear. We don't have ears to hear because Christ isn't preeminent in our lives. And, and so what we generally are doing is that we're saying, God, you need to have ears to hear what I want. Instead of God saying, I need you to have ears to hear what my will is. He says, and, and I'll just read this to you in Psalms 32 and verse 8, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I mean, this is the word from the Lord to us. I will advise you. Listen to this. I will advise you with my eye upon you. That was clearly presented, by the way, in the song that she sang. And so in Proverbs chapter 2, let me just very quickly give you these three things. This is going to be quick, so listen carefully. To pursue it, we need to, first of all, pray intensely. Pray intensely. Notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 2 and in verse 3. Solomon writes, for if you cry out for insight, this is what we're talking about, the will of God, raise your voice for understanding. In other words, he said, I'm not talking about silent prayer, nothing wrong with silent prayer, and sometimes we're in a position that that's all we can do. But that phrase, cry out, that phrase, raise your voice, means to seek God's will with all your heart. All your soul and all your strength. That, that's, a, that's a very vivid description given to us. Uh, of someone just 
crying out with everything they have to God. I want to know, even though my will is this, I want to know your will because I want to do your will. And so I need to discern your will. Help me, Lord. Give me that insight that I need. Pray intensely. Secondly, pray persistently. Verse four says, if you seek her, talking about wisdom, talking about knowledge, talking about understanding, talking about the will of God. He says, if you seek her as silver and search for her as a hidden treasure. It's not like a one-time prayer. It's this continual persistent prayer. What did, what did Jesus teach us in Matthew 7, 7? Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened. And then he follows that for those who are continually asking, those who are continually seeking, those who are continually knocking, they will receive, they will find, and the door will be opened. It's a persistent, it's, it's very rare that it's like that. It happens, praise the Lord. But most of the time we need to pray intensely and we need to pray persistently. And then lastly, we need to pray expectantly. Expectantly. Now, listen to me carefully. Let me just read these verses first and then I'm gonna close with this. Verses five through seven. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom for his mouth came from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, those where Christ is preeminent. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So here's where it all gets down to. I'm gonna pray intensely. I'm gonna pray persistently. And I'm gonna pray expectantly. Now listen to me carefully. My first request is not even a request. It's a surrender. What am I surrendering? I'm surrendering my will to the will of God. Until I do that, the rest of it is just me trying to convince God that I'm right and he's wrong. That he needs to harmonize with me. That I see this more clearly than he does. That I have more knowledge about this than he does. I have to first surrender my will to his will, whatever it is. Even if that means I'm disappointed. Even if it means I don't understand it. Why? Because I trust his love. I believe with all my heart that in the midst of his perfect knowledge of all things at all times, his will for me is driven by this unconditional, incredible love he has for me, a love so great that he sent his only begotten son, nailed him to the cross to pay for my sin so I could have the gift of eternal life. So, Lord, when my will is not your will, I surrender my will to you. Praise your holy name. Whatever it is, 
I still praise your holy name. And so if you have a desire to know the will of God, a delight to do the will of God, you must discern the will of God. Make Jesus preeminent and then pursue with all your heart. And so, Father God, we come and thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, of your patience with us, Lord. You know we wrestle with you about these things, particularly when our will is not in harmony with your will, Lord God. We wrestle you with that, just like Jacob wrestled with you. But, Lord, the bottom line is, Your will is exactly what we should want in all things because of your incredible love for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for coming. I'll let you out before midnight, not before noon, but before midnight. May God's